Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Trish, your bartender for today. And I'm Sloan, your crime tender for today. And today we're bringing you the case of Amy Billig. Apparently this is an open missing persons case from 1974. All right, so quite a few years, so... Quite a few decades. (laughs) I'm interested to hear this one because I don't think it's one I've heard. I had never heard of this one, but I I prefer cases where we have an ending to it. But I also like to do these open-ended cases because you never know. Like, you listening, you may have the key that unlocks one of these cases. You never know. Also... As great as, and like, wrapped up endings are, it's also sometimes, you know, there's an ending, but you're sitting there going, I don't think that's right. I don't think that is how it actually happened. Right. So, well, in this case, there are definitely quite a few theories as to what happened. So I'm interested to hear what you think happened. And listeners, I'm interested to hear what you think happened. So we're going to get into that, but for now, we're going to send you off to bartending class. today's drink we are going to do another moonshine for our summer of shine basically i like that (laughs) i really like that so this is another sugarland distillery moonshine it's another sipping cream because let's be honest their sipping creams are so good they have a lot of like their moonshines that are really good too but i don't know we fell in love with the sipping creams if you follow Mama Tot on TikTok, <laughs> yes. she's doing. She's also doing like a summer of shine sort of thing where she's taste testing moonshines. And she, she tasted my butter pecan. I was going to say, she did the butter pecan the other day. she hated it too. <laughs> but I'm telling you, the sipping creams, like just put them over ice. They're let so it good. sit for a second. Let it come, to, come together with the ice or add it to coffee. And it is so much better than just straight up moonshine. Yes. So the one I'm doing today is the dark chocolate coffee sipping cream. This one, the first time I tasted it, I was like, oh my God, give me like a gallon. I will drink it every day. Like, oh, it's, it's so good. Like, if you know anything about me, Dark chocolate is my favorite type of chocolate. The darker, the better. Like, I'm that person, that weird person that loves to go get, like, that super bitter dark chocolate. Don't know why, (laughs) but I love it. And then I might as well just have an IVF coffee because I never, I will never turn down coffee. I'll be like, man, I really need to go to bed. And someone be like, you want some coffee? I'll be like, yes, let's go. Like I said, this is a dark chocolate coffee sipping cream. Again, this one's only like 40%, so it's not high in alcohol content, but it's still, it's so good. They describe it as a brown sugar and like toffee 
kind of mm-hmm. accents, which sure, maybe, but I just love it. Like I said, over ice, it's great. You can throw it into some coffee. Sloan just mixed in with some of her burp con. It's delicious. <laughs> this one is just, like I said, if you like coffee and you like chocolate, it is so good. These would also make really great, like, bushwhackers yes. or mudslides. Yes. Like, if you wanted to do a blended version of a drink with them. Ugh. Yes, the, please. On the website that I have, I have the Sugarland website pulled up. It says pairings and suggestions. Serve this sipping cream with coffee, hazelnut, vanilla, black cherry, strawberry, or coconut flavors. So, if you don't know, bushwhacker. That's like, that is basically like kind of a mudslide, <laughs> but a little bit different. I mean, coconut makes me think of like pina colada. I wonder. Now that's got me thinking. <laughs> you can try it. I would. But yeah, definitely, like I said, if you can get your hands on this, I know that here in Alabama, they finally started carrying this in like our liquor stores. But if you can get your hands on this, highly suggest you at least trying it out. It is so good. Yes. I got a bottle for my birthday a little, almost a month ago, and it's it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. I have about one drink left in it. <laughs> but with that being said, we will kick you off to the story, which I'm very excited to hear. Amy Billig was a 17-year-old with dreams of being an actress. She attended high school in Coconut Grove, in Coconut Grove, Florida. She lived with her mother, Susan, father, Ned, and younger brother, Josh. He was like a year younger than her. They were very close in age. The family moved to Florida from Oyster Bay, New York in 1968, where Ned opened his own art gallery. He opened his own art gallery in Coconut Grove. I wrote that really confusing. <laughs> um... But Amy's teachers and peers considered her to be a smart and talented poet, and she was pretty kick-ass with flute and guitar. On March 5th, 1974, Amy came home from school around noon to have lunch. I freaking wish. (laughs) Like, this might be one of the reasons we weren't allowed to do this. (laughs) 1974 to the 2000s was a long time. Yeah. So she got home to have lunch, and she called her dad at work to ask if she could borrow some money to go out with her friends that night. He was like, fine, come by the art gallery to pick it up, which was fairly close to their house. I couldn't really find where the gallery was compared to her house, but Reddit, as trusty of a source as it is, (laughs) Reddit said that it was about a mile away. So take that with a grain of salt. I'm not inclined to believe that because... A mile is very easy to walk. I can literally walk from my house to Trisha's house and we live one mile away. So it's not far. But sources say that Amy went along the main highway where construction workers saw her holding out her thumb to hitchhike to her dad's art gallery. So to me, like, I just don't see her hitchhiking if it was only a mile away. So I'm inclined to believe that the art gallery was further than a mile is my point to all of that. So, the construction workers saw her holding out her thumb, attempting to hitchhike for a ride, 
And I know in your head you're screaming, no, are you dumb? But as a reminder again, this was 1974. Things were completely different. Hitchhiking was absolutely normal, especially for teenagers and like people in their 20s. And Amy was known to do it frequently to get around town with no incident. Unfortunately, on this particular date, luck was not on Amy's side. She never showed at her father's art gallery, nor did she come home that evening. Amy's parents called the police, who began interviewing everyone who was known to have seen Amy that day. They were hopeful for a lead, but found little to go on. On March 8, 1974, Susan Billig, Amy's mother, was contacted by two 16-year-old twins. Pair of, it was a pair of twins. Charles and Larry Glasser. The two Nimrods claimed to have kidnapped Amy and demanded a $30,000 ransom. Police were quick to investigate and discovered the whole thing was a scam and extortion attempt. Charles and Larry had never even met Amy. Like, what pieces of shit. Right. And while I hope that people have moved and grown and, you know, I hope that they're better adults... I did find that one of them is a lawyer, great ethics, hopefully, and the other one is an ethics lawyer at a university. <laughs> so <laughs> let's hope they turn their lives around after the police scared the shit out of them for this. On March 18th, 10 days later, Amy's camera was found at the Wildwood exit on the Florida Turnpike. And if you're not familiar with Florida geography, I'm somewhat familiar, but I did not know where either of these places are. Wildwood is, like I said, at the Florida Turnpike, and that is about an hour outside of Orlando on the north side. Coconut Grove is a suburb of Miami. That seems like a far distance. It is. <laughs> like I said, it is about four hours between the two, but yes. It's definitely somebody left the south tip of Florida and was heading out of Florida. Yes. I was like, that that's quite a stretch of yes. them. It is also unclear if Amy had her camera on her that day or if it had been stolen prior to her disappearance. So while this is a possible lead, it's not guaranteed that she actually had it with her. Yeah. So it's it's iffy, but it's definitely something to go off of. It's more than anything else that we had at this point. When the film was developed, investigators were disappointed to only find four photographs that developed from the role. Three were severely overexposed, but the fourth was the fourth featured a vine-covered wall with a white pickup truck parked in the background. I also just want to pause here and say, I remember the days of film being developed, so I know <laughs> you do too. But uh, we probably have listeners. The, the gamble that you took of, did this photo turn out? Why my one Disney trip was completely ruined because it's the one time we met Eeyore, who if you don't know, is my favorite favorite Winnie the Pooh character and you want to know whose photo was the one photo that didn't develop correctly Trish with Eeyore mine my sister who is not an Eeyore fan had the best picture I went the 
fuck is this? We can Photoshop her face off of it and put <laughs> your face on it now. We have the technology. Oh, so mad. For me, I have the opposite experience where, you know, with the Walmart cameras, you could take, what, 20, 30 pictures? I would take three or four pictures of the same damn thing to make sure that I got <laughs> one single picture that would turn out. And this was the this is what it was about, y'all. You little youngins who have always had this great technology, like you could view your pictures right away. No, no, we had to play the gamble. <laughs> we had to play the gamble. We had to take it to Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, Kroger. That they didn't mess it up, you know, everything. Have, or lose it. Yes. It. So I just wanted to touch on that because. It made me feel old as fuck reading this. <laughs> but also, this is the 1970s. And that's that's where my heart lies. Like, that 70s show, I would totally be in the basement with our people. <laughs> Meanwhile, my family was stuck in the 80s for so long. So I'm, like, so comfortable with, like, 80s. <laughs> oh, my mom was stuck in the 90s. Like, it, my love of the 70s has nothing to do with her. It's all that 70s show and my... uh me being a hippie wink wink <laughs> yes wink wink anyways back to our story another small lead that isn't reason that i'm inclined to believe well really i don't i don't know it throws me for a loop but amy's hairbrush or a hairbrush with amy's hair was found at a convenience store in Kissimmee, Florida, which is about 30 minutes south of Orlando. I was going to say, that's close to Orlando. Yes. And you would have to go through Kissimmee if you're leaving Coconut Grove to get to Wildwood. So part of me is like that concrete that whoever had Amy is who dropped the camera. Probably. But the other part of me is... Is it more likely that her camera and her hairbrush were stolen together prior to her disappearance and just got dropped off along the way? Because why I couldn't find an answer to if it was her hairbrush or just like a hairbrush with her hairs on it. Like, yeah. was it a hairbrush that her parents recognized from the house or was it just a hairbrush that matched the DNA to her? Yeah. Because that makes a big difference, too. She would not have left her house to go pick up money from her dad with her hairbrush from her house. I mean, she might have. I don't know where. Yeah. But those are the thoughts rattling around in my head. There's one rattling around in mine also. And this is just me watching too many crime-like things. You have two people working together. Who's to say somebody didn't take her stuff to leave police on a completely opposite direction yeah i mean there's not much direction to go from once you're in miami and florida though yeah <laughs> you really but only have if you're the... leaving these little breadcrumbs but you don't have amy you only have the north exit or exit by boat <laughs> <laughs> if you're in florida there's only but if you're keeping her in like miami yeah you're making people think that she's going north so, the idea of you thinking it's more than one person definitely correlates with the theory later on. So, I want to withhold all of my thoughts. All right. <laughs> I want to withhold all of my thoughts because I will probably, in slow fashion, give it away early if I don't. 
so okay we're yeah actually we're getting into it right now <laughs> so over the years numerous sightings of amy were called in usually with a story along the lines of amy was seen with bikers and was obviously their property two particular motorcycle gangs were named repeatedly the outlaws and the pagans and both traveled through the area at the time and both were kind of leaving the area at the same time so this goes with your theory of it being more than one person because the way that these gangs worked at the time i i have never lived a motorcycle in my uh, I've, I've never lived that life yeah. i've never lived that life so i can't say it from I've personal experience <laughs> I can just say what I read in reference to this case and what I know from like stupid ass TLC TV shows and like things like that. So if I am ignorant about this fact, please excuse me and educate me. I am definitely open to learning about it. I've just never been presented the opportunity to learn firsthand. Yeah. So don't judge me if I'm wrong on this. Once again, I'm the ignorant shit on this <laughs> podcast. Self-deprecating humor. It's my best form of comedy. <laughs> it's what I do. But the motorcycle gangs, what they were doing was they were migrating through Florida. So, like, both of them kind of took the same path where they came through Miami and they both left through the same interstate that would take you through Kissimmee and Wildwood. Because, once again, there's I-95. Yeah. And I-95, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> so they both, like, both gangs would have traveled the same path. They were both going through Miami that summer, that spring and summer. So it's definitely likely that she could have been abducted by one of the bikers and brainwashed into the gang. My problem with that is that they assume that she would have hitchhiked in a car so like did the bikers have access to a car that day to take her yeah. were they able to convince her to get on the back of the bike and like if they came to a red light she just didn't hop off a, a, a bike is a little bit easier to get away from then, than a car yeah. but also if they were to have a weapon or you know just verbal threats i know where you live i'll come back and kill your family that sort of thing we weren't there. We don't know. All I can do is speculate and hopefully try to get this case solved. Back to the calls. Specifically, one woman calling herself Susan Johnson claimed that Amy had been abducted by the outlaws and a friend of Susan's had supposedly seen Amy with the bikers in Daytona Beach, which is just up the interstate from Miami. Yeah been to daytona beach before it's a beautiful place i have not been to daytona specifically but uh when nate and i were we had been together for about a year and he's very interested in nasa and outer space and the planets and things like that so for his birthday i took him to cape canaveral to watch a spaceship launch a space rocket launch yeah. and uh it's kind of like you have Cocoa beach cape canaveral and then it's daytona beach and we kind of stuck to Cape Canaveral and Cocoa Beach and never made it to Daytona. But it's all in the same yeah. area. So, like, it's kind of like saying, you know, I've been to Pensacola, but I haven't been to Destin. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Destin. Yeah. Although Destin, they say, is 
Destin is more beautiful. It, the water is more green. Kind of, here's the thing. Is that you know how shitty Alabama beaches look. <laughs> yes. And you know how great Pensacola beaches look. And to me, it's kind of like Pensacola is the middle between Destin and our shitty beaches here. <laughs> so if you think Pensacola has beautiful clear waters... Destin is like five times more clear and beautiful and maybe one day it's going to be worth the extra hour to drive to that beach. So Amy was seen in Daytona Beach supposedly. Months later the Billigs received word that the outlaws had been in Orlando and stayed in a clubhouse outside the nearby town of Kissimmee. Sounding familiar? Mm Mm-hmm. Susan went to kiss me and showed Amy's picture to many people, and quite a few of them remembered seeing her with the outlaws. A convenience store manager recognized Amy as a young woman who often frequented the stores with the bikers. The manager said the woman always bought vegetable soup, and since Amy was a very strict vegetarian, this convinced Susan it was her daughter. Okay. And I will have Amy's pictures posted for you. And while she is a very beautiful young woman, she has dark brown hair, dark brown eyes. She, in the pictures that I've seen, she has a like tan olive complexion sort of situation. And while she's beautiful, she's absolutely beautiful. She's also somebody that could very easily blend into crowds. Average looking white woman. Right. <laughs> or, you know, whatever her heritage is. She, to, I like, like I when said, someone goes to, like, our mutual job and goes, yeah, she has brown hair and is wearing her hair up in a ponytail. All right, you just described 90% of the staff. And then you have people, we have a host. <laughs> we have a host, and she shaved her head a few months ago, and she, she's keeping it short, right? I have long hair. It's, like, halfway down my arms at this point. We both wear glasses. We're both two of the only people still still wearing masks in our store. So, like, those are the only two things. Well, and we're both white women. We consistently have people walk up and say, I just talked to you up at the front door. How are you already over here? And I'm like, well, I have a ponytail. She has no hair. We are not the same person. It literally happened this week with a door dasher. No offense to my DoorDashers out there, but the DoorDashers that we have here in Mobile are dumb. Yeah. They are so just rude and frustrating. And this woman was a special... She was a bitch. I'm going to say it. She was a bitch. Anyways, we're getting off topic. (laughs) Convinced that it was Amy because she bought vegetable soup. In 1975, the next year... Another one of the tipsters, Paul Branch, reached out to Susan directly after seeing her picture in the missing persons flyers, after seeing Amy's pictures in the missing person flyers and papers. Paul Branch was supposedly and eventually proven, but he was a pagan motorcycle group member, and he was known as an enforcer within the biker gang. He recognized Amy's photo in a newspaper article and said he had bought her from a biker party in Orlando and owned her for a short time. Right? (laughs) I am a woman. I am not property. And once again, this could be me being ignorant and just knowing what I know from these articles and media and whatnot. But uh, I also wasn't raised in that environment, so it's not right for me to pass judgment I'm just a very independent woman. 
<laughs> and I, I, I can't imagine. I can't yeah. imagine. I would rather lay down and not eat until I, yeah. All right, Sloan, shut up. <laughs> I just, I literally cannot fathom being women being property. Someone, yeah, being someone's property. And I know that we're not that far away from slavery. Just bringing up facts, we just had Juneteenth. Uh, June we just 10th. had Juneteenth in our country. So I'm not making light of the situation. I'm not making light of slavery. I know that you know up until recently in the past six, seven decades, women did not have rights. Women were always property, and I am so thankful that we are where we are today. Even though, but I can acknowledge that we still have a long fucking way to go. <sighs> Paul claimed that he bought her. She became his property. And in July 1974, Paul left Amy with a friend of his before he was arrested. Paul spent some time in jail, but by the time he was released, Amy and his friend were long gone. Paul also mentioned that she had a hidden two-inch appendectomy scar, which is something Susan had never told anyone else. Not even the police. So this convinced Susan that Paul was telling the truth. And appendectomies are just very common. Like that could have been a shot in the dark. And, you know, if, if it, if her mom was like, no, I don't know why she would have that scar. Then he could be like, well, I guess she's been hurt since she's been out of your house. Yeah. Maybe she got into a knife fight. She's been with motorcycle gangs or, you know, maybe she got shanked or something, but most people have appendectomies, so it was a very good guess <laughs> to go with. I have. I have not, so I guess I'm a ticking time bomb. Uh, mine is a horror story, truly. I was diagnosed with PCOS whenever I was like 14 years old, and the main symptom that they diagnosed me off of is the fact that I threw up like every month consistently on the same days. It didn't necessarily correlate with my cycle because my cycle was irregular. Uh, so come to find out, I went to college, came home for my birthday, my freshman or sophomore year, I can't remember. And uh, celebrating my birthday. My birthday's on Saturday. Easter is on Sunday. And I just feel sick. So, so sick. My friends come over and I'm like, please don't come over. I don't feel well. And they're like, it's your birthday. We're coming over to hang out with you. I don't care. At two, like three, four o'clock in the morning, I wake my parents up and I'm like, I need to go to the emergency room. Like something is not right. And it felt like every month before that for the past four years, but on a very more extreme level. And I walk in, I walk up to the desk and I'm like, hi, I need to be admitted. And this person's like, what do you need to be admitted for? And I'm like, uh, my appendix is rupturing. And she goes, oh, <laughs> your appendix is rupturing? Okay, we'll get you seen right away. And I was like, okay, all right. So I get put in and they're like, uh, yeah, your appendix is rupturing and we're doing surgery in three hours on you. And I'm like, can you go tell the receptionist downstairs that I was not bullshitting? Right. <laughs> I know what's going on with my body and I've been telling the doctors for years that something's wrong with my body. So my appendix had been slowly rupturing for four years. How fucking horrible is that? 
I swear my life is just this series of misfortunate events that never ends. The next time Paul reached out to Susan, he told her that Amy was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's Oklahoma, right? Right. Yep. Okay. The two met in Tulsa and hit the ground running in search of Amy. With Paul escorting Susan through the underground biker world of strip club joints, tattoo parlors, and other hangouts. If anybody would like to take me on tours of tattoo parlors. Right. I will go. You can kidnap me or I will go willingly. I don't give a fuck. Let's go get tatted up. (laughs) Yep. Susan was definitely out of her comfort zone, but she was willing to do whatever it takes to find her daughter. All was going well until it wasn't. Paul was involved in a fight at some point, and Susan was able to escape. Quite some time passes before Paul contacts Susan again, this time with a tip that Amy's in Seattle. The two would meet again to search for Amy, but but Susan never heard from Paul again after this phone call. Susan continued on to Seattle with uh, to Seattle. Susan continued on to Seattle with a friend to continue her search, and she found a potential lead and a stripper. And uh, a stripper. <laughs> All of these words are running together on my screen. Too much moonshine. She found a potential lead and a stripper called Willow. That makes me think of Buffy, who many claimed was Amy. When Susan met Willow, she quickly realized this woman just resembled her daughter. Yet another dead end. And that's what I was saying. Like, she's very beautiful, but she's very, like, she's got a lot of doppelgangers out there. Yeah. So I know that going through these tips has to be hard. Especially whenever the a lot of the tips are about, like, prostitution and strippers and stuff like that. But although Susan would hear of many sightings of Amy in Seattle, her daughter remained elusive. The case would go cold until 1979 when a new lead came in. This time, an anonymous caller contacted Susan to tell her he found Amy at a truck stop in Reno, Nevada, and she should come quickly. By the time Susan arrived on the scene with police, no one was there and the caller was never identified. And for me, this is a red flag. Like, why did the anonymous caller not call the police first? Yeah. Or, you know, call Susan first, then call the police. Why is Susan the one arriving with the police whenever she's halfway across the country in Florida? Yeah. Red flag. Cheers. <laughs> like, really? Yep, really. When Henry was asked why he wasted two decades of his life harassing Susan Billig, he claimed that it was due to his alcoholism and OCD and depression. Oh, yeah. Just blame it on the alcohol. Sure. I drink alcohol, and I'm depressed, and I got other issues. And I am calling and harassing people. I have yet to look up some poor lady to call and harass about her missing child. That is unacceptable. Mental health is a legit concern in our society, but yet we have fuckers like this. I try to blame their stupidity on it. Yes. He was adamant that he had never even known or met Amy. Authorities didn't believe Henry right away. They found journal entries Amy had written talking about fantasizing running off to South America with a man called Hank, which just so happened to be Henry's nickname. Oh, you don't say. Was it a coincidence that his work often brought him to South America? At the time of Amy's abduction, Henry was working in Miami 
Coconut Grove is a suburb of Miami. So technically it's a part of Miami. Mm -hmm. So they are close. But Henry was working in Miami. He was known to drive a white pickup truck. (laughs) A white pickup truck was in the photo, remember? Yep. And was a 27-year-old undercover Sky Marshal with permission to freely come and go out of the country. This is truly not a far-fetched theory for me. Especially considering that he harassed her mother for 21 years. Yeah. Saying, she's a part of a sex trafficking ring. And then, I have your daughter. I know where your daughter is. Like... I just, I, I cannot comprehend somebody keeping up that facade for 21 years. But as far as I could find, he never had any previous history before this either. So I just don't see him coming out of the blue and doing that sort of stuff without, a, I don't know. Yeah. So Henry was not officially cleared of the abduction slash murder charge because his alibi for Amy's disappearance is very loose. At the time, he was on his honeymoon to San Francisco. And you might think that that's a very solid alibi. But the problem is, neither him nor his wife could prove whether it lasted 10 or 13 days. They definitely left on February 22nd, but neither of them could prove whenever they came back. If the trip lasted 10 days, Henry would have been in Florida at the time of Amy's disappearance. But if the honeymoon lasted more towards the 13 days, Henry would have had a very clear alibi. Yeah. This is having Israel Keys, like, feels. Somewhat, yes. Somewhat. Especially because, like I said, this does not seem like behavior that just comes out of left field. And he doesn't have a history that I could find either. So, maybe it's because he works for the U.S. government. He's easily able to cover up his tracks. Like I said, he travels to South America a lot. Maybe he mostly focuses on victims whenever he's out of the country. But just for somebody that has no history, this is very creepy. Yeah. That the first victim that he picks, he's able to disappear right off the bat. Yeah. Henry ended up serving a two-year prison sentence for harassment, but was never officially charged with anything in relation, to, in relation to Amy's disappearance. Susan also took Henry to civil court, where they settled for $5 million. Go, Susan. Go, Susan. Say, go, girl. Go, 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 Susan. Here's the kicker for me, though. During the trial, Henry actually blamed Susan for his conduct, saying that she enabled him by never hanging up on his phone calls. The fucking balls on this man. And like you said, that's that would be like an Israel Keys sort of moment there. Like, Ugh. blaming the victim for your actions. Right. As if this story isn't wild enough, in 1997, after Paul Branch passed away, his wife came forward to say he had changed his whole story on a, in a deathbed of, uh, confession. According to her, Paul claimed that he wasn't truthful with Susan and that Amy had been drugged, raped, and killed at a party shortly after her disappearance. Her body was then chopped up and thrown into a swamp in the Florida Everglades. And if that's what happened... You ain't never finding her. We are never going to find Amy. 
that's just an unfortunate, sad truth. The authorities and Amy's family were inclined to believe the widow until they found out she had been well compensated for her breaking story. Because of this and the fact that Amy's body had never been found, it's now believed this confession was fabricated in order to cash in on the notoriety of the case. Susan Billig spent the rest of her life searching for her daughter before passing away in 2005. And in 2001, Susan even co-authored a book called Without a Trace, A Mother's Search for Justice. If Amy is alive today, she would be 65 years old with brown eyes. She had brown hair in her youth, but it could possibly be dyed if not grayed or white. She has a two-inch appendectomy scar on her abdomen, according to her mother, and has a high-stepping gait. She may have been known within the motorcycle gangs as Mute, Sunshine, Little Bits, and or Mellow Cheryl. It's really a far stretch, but if anyone has any answers about this case, please contact authorities. Unfortunately, her mother and her father have passed away, but she does still have a brother who is still alive. And I'm sure that he would love to have answers for his family's sake. But that is my story for today. I would love to hear what you think. I am personally inclined to believe the Henry Hank possibility. Uh, That's a good one. Also, the uh, Everglades thing. And that was a part part of the Paul motorcycle. That's a good possibility. If you don't know the Everglades, there's parts of the Everglades that's not even been looked at. It is literally like a death trap to go into. Some people believe that the Bermuda Triangle extends into the Everglades. And I am one of those tinfoil hat people. I think we covered it in Alaska. Uh, I did a Patreon on it. Okay, that's what it was. Patreon. I did a Patreon on it. I did uh, one of my Ruining Paradise episodes about the Bermuda Triangle and its whole encompassing area. So if you're interested in more thoughts and theories about that, definitely subscribe. I am a part of the cheaper tier, so I think you only have to do $5 (laughs) to hear that story. Um, but if you want to talk more about the conspiracy theory part of that, that's definitely more of the Patreon part of it but as for this case i think that no matter who kidnapped her and took her and if they did murder her if she is not still alive today the everglades is probably where she ended up and if so we are never going to know or find her but i'm kind of equally split between the biker gang theory and like i said the hank theory the henry hank theory but My one toss-up, there's so much evidence that supports the Henry Hank thing. My one toss-up about that is, if it was him, why would he have not disposed of the hairbrush and the camera in South America instead of the interstate? Which is what leads me to the biker theory, that they just took her off the side of the road. But my problems with that is... Were they able to kidnap her on a bike? Or did they have access to a car that day? But also, the hairbrush thing could also be a way of him getting the attention off of him, even though it wasn't really on him. I was about to say, it took over 20 years for the attention to be put on Henry. And, like, 
Not that it stopped any other serial killer in the past or any fucked up human being in the past, but he did, he was just married. He's a newlywed. So between his job with U.S. Customs and flying back and forth to South America, then coming home to a new wife, I just, I wonder how he had the time to make his way up the interstate and drive the four hours there and back. Yeah. I also am inclined to believe that if it was Henry slash Hank, you know, maybe her camera and her brush were stolen before she disappeared. That's still a possibility. I don't know. What theory are you buying most into? Like I said, the Henry Hank thing's a good one. And then also, like, the Everglades thing. So... But do you think that it's somebody that we don't even that we don't even know about that did the Everglades, or do you think it's one of the already thrown in theories? I I don't know because, like I said, it's one of those things that's like you know, there's no clear lead. Yeah, she's never been found, so it's like you can't even trace it to anything. So I just hope that if she still is alive today, that. She is at a point in her life where she feels comfortable to reach out to her brother. Yeah. And build that bridge back up so that a way at least somebody in the family has answers. And if it is the more unfortunate uh, option, not choice, the unfortunate option here, then I hope we can find closure to this 40 plus year old case. But thanks for hanging out with us. We'll kick you off to the last call. All right, so today's last call is brought to you by um, one of our favorite places to find things, TikTok. And there are some of you that are going to, if you are on TikTok, you're going to know this right away. And then there's some that are going to be like, how is this not made it to my For You page? And (laughs) Sloan's like, I don't think this is made it to mine. I was like, I don't know how, because it is all over mine. So this is about... The elephant that killed the woman in India. So, the article that I pulled up just to kind of have a whole reference point for this. The headline reads, Elephant kills woman and returns to her funeral to attack her corpse. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I told you in the car. I was like, if we're like, that would be my luck. (laughs) This reminded me, like, this story going around has literally reminded me of like lockdown when there are things like you could say that like would make no sense to anybody unless like you were on TikTok. And this is one of those things, like, because someone was like, but who gave the elephant the address? And everyone's like, yeah, who gave the elephant the address? And if you don't know, you're like, what the fuck? What elephant? What <laughs> address? Like, what? So, in Odisha, I think is how it's said, this one part of India, <laughs> this woman was killed by an elephant. She was a 68-year-old woman, and apparently she had been helping, like, poachers get this mama elephant's babies. Mm-hmm. 
And I guess Mama had, you know, enough of it. And you don't mess with a mama elephant. Yeah, and ended up killing this woman and was <laughs> shipped off to a sanctuary like 124 miles away. Elephant gets out, rallies up the troops, crashes this woman's funeral, gets the body out of like the coffin or whatnot, tramples this woman some more. Meanwhile, the rest of the group is destroying the village and completely destroys this woman's house. I'm like, what the hell? You cannot tell me that elephants are not smarter than us and oh, more vindictive. Are so smart. <laughs> but like I said, this has been going around uh TikTok and it's just it's crazy. So it's reported that one of the elephants reportedly attacked the woman's corpse by picking up the body and throwing it in the air. Like, and then, like I said, the elephants, the other elephants, like, went to the village and, like, completely destroyed this woman's home and three other houses. (laughs) And it's just, like... A villager told the Times of India, we were terrified after witnessing the elephant herd on Thursday evening. We have never had such a ferocious elephant bunch before. (laughs) Like, it's just so, it's like funny, but it's also like, holy shit. (laughs) I literally like, the first time I saw this, I was like, what? what are we talking about? What elephant? And then I started seeing, like, more details and I looked it up and I went because at first they were like, you know, it just came across as, oh, this woman got killed by this elephant. And you're like, oh, man. And then you found out, like, this elephant went to the funeral and, like, kind of went back for a second round and that. And you're just like, what the fuck? And then more details came out and you're like, oh, Oh, you were helping poachers get the babies? Yeah. Oh. You don't have a soul. <laughs> huh. And I want... I don't... I don't think it says in this, but I want to say she's helped, like, for a while. Mm-hmm. She's helped poachers. But she finally met the one elephant that was like, nah, fuck this. Either that or she already took that elephant's babies before and she came back with a vengeance. Yeah. And it's just, it's so funny. So now if you're ever on TikTok and you hear somebody talking about this elephant, you will now know know. why. And you will understand who gave the elephant the address. Because, (laughs) shit. God did. (laughs) That too, bitch. But it's like... I didn't think this was going to be a very long last call, but it was still, it was just so funny because I was like, man, this elephant really said, nah, nah. Fuck you today and tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, this, this elephant petty. Yeah. I can get, I can get behind this elephant. <laughs> that's an understatement. It's my kind of elephant. I think that's my soulmate. Right. <laughs> but. I just thought it was too good to pass up as a last call. And I was like, if if Sloan hasn't heard this, it'll be fun. And then I sh- I'm sure 
their people that still are not on the TikTok trend. And it's just, it was, like I said, it was too good to pass them. Oh, but man, I keep gravitating more and more to TikTok because Instagram keeps keeps doing more and more shady shit. Yes. TikTok, I love and I have, I love, I have a love-hate relationship with because I can get sucked in for hours and then there are times that like stuff like this, it just gives me interesting like last calls or even directs me in some cases that I'll be like, oh, that sounds like a good one to cover. Yeah. What bothers me the most about Instagram is they're trying to be TikTok. But like I have my TikTok for my TikTok and I have my Instagram for my Instagram. (laughs) But my feed is not even the people that I follow. Yeah. And then you gave me the option for a favorites feed, but I'm limited to 50 accounts and I follow 700 accounts. So like it just... It's, it's not, I'm not seeing who I want to see and it's not the experience that it used to be. Like my Instagram, what I built my feed up for was pure community. And I don't have that anymore because Instagram has decided who they think I should see on, see on my feed and not who I think I should see on my feed. Yeah. (sighs) Social media. (laughs) Always trying to compete with each other. Yes. But that's my rant for today. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this. If you did, let us know. You can review, rate, <clears throat> subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, you can also hit up our social medias. We have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. They are all tequila she wrote across the board. If you have any recommendations for cocktails, liquors, moonshines, cases, last calls, we're open for suggestions for anything. You can find us at tequilasherote at gmail.com or really just any of our DMs on yeah. social media. We also do have our Patreon for as little as $2 a month. You get ad-free episodes. And then if you pay a little more, you get some more bonus content. You also get some merch. Like we said, for $5 a month, you can get my uh, tinfoil hat, Bermuda Triangle. Bruning Paradise stuff. Episode. I think we Series. said $10. I do like a little bit of haunted stuff. So if that's your cup of tea, um, yes, it's a little more. But you get Sloan's Rooting Paradise. You get the haunted stuff. And you'll get a little bonus episode that we don't even put out on here. So if that sounds interesting to you, find us at patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote. You can also go to our link tree and you get a direct link if you're too lazy to go and try find us on Patreon. <laughs> you can go link tree and just click a button and it sends you right there. Every Tuesday and Friday we try to release an episode unless, you know, we need a little break. And yeah, I guess with we that hope- being said, we'll catch you next time. We hope you enjoyed. Thanks for riding on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. Thank <laughs> you.